Hello, and welcome back to the Anxiety Slayer podcast. I'm Shan Vanderleek, and today I'm speaking with Michael Whalen. He's a two-time Emmy Award winner and Grammy-nominated composer and music supervisor, and his work is just fantastic. Michael is a veteran of more than 800 television and film scores, thousands of commercials, and numerous TV themes and video games. He's also a world-renowned recording artist and producer with 32 solo and soundtrack recordings to his credit since 1993. Hello, Michael. Oh, hello, Shannon. It's so great to be here with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Oh, you're welcome. And I, I must tell you this morning, I was listening to your new album, Sacred Spaces, and I, I had been listening several weeks back, but I wanted to listen again this morning. And I thought, you know, this music is perfect for this time in our, in our lives on earth. Yeah. And wow, I had a different experience. And I've decided that an ocean of candlelight or ocean of candlelight is my favorite today. <laughs> although, although I love, I love the, the entire album. And I'd love for you to just dive right in and talk about the inspiration for this body of work that, that you put your heart and soul into for over 10 years and how it represents your spirituality. Well, it's interesting. It's, you know, people hear the title Sacred Spaces and they think it's like a religious record. Michael, you've made a religious record. It's like, wait, everybody just calm down. It's not. <laughs> um, so it, it, it's really about the places, the people, the experiences, the memories that you hold as sacred. Yeah. And ultimately it's about gratitude it's ultimately about not only holding these things close to you but what are you grateful for because to have things that are important to you you know it's not enough to kind of come from scarcity and to be sort of fighting things off as you are defending pieces of your life i think i think what i have learned in my 54 years on this planet is that the only the only place for me to be walking is in gratitude so mm. 10 years ago i had this you know delusions of grandeur and i was going to write a symphony i've written a lot of classical pieces so this <laughs> was not going to be my first one but i was going to write a symphony and this was going to be about my search for god and all this stuff and and i got a sort of a movement done and a, a, some material written and then i hit the wall and I put it away for years. And about three years ago, I pulled the charts out and I took a look at them and I was like, well, you know, what do I want to do with this? And I started, you know, fussing with the, the, some of the themes. And, and I said, maybe this isn't a classical piece. Maybe this is an electronic piece. Mm. Maybe there's an entirely new way to be treating this material. So then what I did was I spent almost four months designing sounds and I had no idea what sounds were going to go with what song or what I was going to do with it. I just made a big pile of things. And so I got to about 800 different texture sounds, you know, samples, you know, different things that I did. And I said to myself, okay, now that I have some themes done, I have this big pile of stuff. Amazingly, the album came together very, very, very fast after that. Like uh, about seven weeks later, the record was done. 
Wow. And uh, like, I mean, warp speed. I got to finishing the record and it was really, it, it, it was a very sort of intense experience to kind of listen to it done for the first time because what it gave me was sort of an access to all these places, memories, things, people that the music was inspired by in this entirely new way. And it also gave me a really deep sense of peace and relaxation. I'm one of these people who has a very hard time relaxing, even though I'm known for creating music like that. Like if I relax for a minute, I'll fall asleep. <laughs> so, uh, so, but this album has created a very uh, interesting catalyst for me to relax, to, to meditate, to, uh, you know, I stretch and I do yoga to this. Uh, and I've heard from many, many, many people around the world that they do their daily practices to this album now, which makes me very happy. You've really captured this, what I've found in the, in the couple times that I've listened is the, that I'm energized while I'm relaxed. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. That's, a that's, very, that's really cool. You know, yeah, how, a, how did he do that? It's a very, very, very hard balance to do. And I would love to say, wow, of course I had this all planned just like that. And I, I have to say that it just showed up that way. Yeah. So one of the one of the weird things about writing music is, and I and I, I I've heard writers and playwrights talk about this too, that there actually is, to a certain extent, you can control what's happening, and then there are some elements happening that you cannot control. Yeah. And I think you know I had sort of the ideas for the pieces, but I didn't really have any idea how sort of overwhelming the music would be when it was done in a lot of ways, and I'm not supposed to have favorite anything, but this is certainly one of the records I'm the most proud of. Oh, I bet. Let, let's talk a little bit more about ambient music and, and how that became a part of your life and how it's impacted you both personally and professionally. Well, you know, I remember sleeping on my brother's couch in the early 1990s, he had just moved to New York and he was having his first job. And I was just sort of getting my thing together in New York. And he played Brian Eno for, for me for the first time. <laughs> Brian Eno, if for those of you who do not know, is sort of the godfather of ambient music. And he had a very, very... I don't want to say strict, but he had a very definite idea about what ambient music was and what it was not. And, you know, so he started in the 1970s and, and through the 80s, he, you know, he's done all kinds of stuff. And then he became a very famous record producer. You know, he's produced Coldplay and U2 and a bunch of other people. But Brian, his music is, it's almost hard to put your finger on because so much of it is environmental. So you're yeah. creating an environment and you're certainly not, you know, tapping your foot or coming along to it. So, but what, but what it's creating is it is sort of framing your life and you get to sort of decide what the music means. It's like, it, it's sort of just put out there with sort of no editorial content. It's not supposed to make you feel something what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to sort of envelop you in your life. Mm. And 
I heard a uh, an album that he did with a Br British pianist named Harold Budd, which is called The Pearl, which I highly recommend to everybody. It's an absolutely beautiful record. It's still one of my top five records ever made by anybody. And it, it was enormously influential on me because Harold sort of insists on melody. Mm. And Brian is creating these gorgeous, like three-dimensional textures and soundscapes. And the combination of the two things, what just completely changed my life. Um, so then in 1996, I did my first ambient record and it was sort of a reaction. My father was having a lot of trouble sleeping and he was listening to, you know, you know, cassettes and CDs at the time. And I was like, dad, 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 let me see what I can put together here. <laughs> so literally over a couple of days, I did a bunch of tracks and, and I sent it to him and he's like, wow, this is beautiful. And this is, this is so great. And I played it for some friends and they're like, you have to release this. So I went out and I talked to a bunch of people and um, Hearts of Space, which big ambient label uh, in San Francisco signed it and um, the album came out and it's called Night Scenes. It's still regarded by a lot of people as one of the best ambient records ever made, which I, it, it's, it's funny because it's like, it's music I made for my dad. <laughs> sure, sure. But it became the sort of the first step in this, quest uh, to create music that would also promote wellness and also create an environment for people because one of my favorite musical stories is this idea that a man named Goldberg went to Bach 450 years ago and said I need something to help me go to sleep and at the time there was no there, there was nothing called functional music you know, this, this idea that you know, here is music that is designed to actually create the context for you to sleep or, you know, run or work out or whatever. It just didn't exist. So with a completely blank sheet of paper, Bach wrote the Goldberg Variations as a way of helping relax Mr. Goldberg so he could fall asleep at night. And that has been something that has sort of stuck with me for my whole career this idea that you could create music that could promote, that could enable people, empower people to take on something that was bothering them. So it's not it, this, I, I, and I have to be careful because I think there's music that sort of goes out and says, well, this is gonna be healing music. I never, 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 never sort of deal with that. I think, I think in its best case, I think music can be something that helps promote wellness. I think it sure. can help people slow their heart rate down. I mean, there's, you know, there's millions and millions and millions of different examples of that and, you know, case studies and scientific studies. But I do think that it, what music can do is it can actually give you permission. It can actually say, okay, I've put this music on, I've done, I've made this affirmative action for myself. And now what I'm going to do now is I'm going to be very intentional about sleeping, relaxation, meditation, you know, reducing mm -hmm. stress in my life, getting rid of anxiety in my life. And uh, I think that's great because I think a lot of people are waiting for permission for things. And they are. They are without question. And when you, you look at this year and how it's been my goodness. particularly hard on, a, on all of us, really, but and, and to a greater degree on 
on other people who are already suffering uh, with mental health and and now with all of the things that that we're facing daily with the pandemic etc and I'd, I'd love to have you explore a little bit about why ambient music is so beneficial when dealing with anxiety or stress or you know, the, the menu of the day, if you will. As we're recording this right now, we're in the midst of, of the election count and, and all that goes along with that. And that's just another layer. So I think that if you could dig into that, it would be really helpful. Sure. I mean, I think that a lot of people's anxiety is dealing with the not knowing what's going to happen next. Yes. It's, uh, it's, the, it's the unpredictability of things. I think, another, I think another huge generator for stress for people is them not accepting what is so. So they, they, like something's happening and people literally cannot believe it. So the stress is, is the looking at what's happening versus can they believe it? Can they accept it? Can they wrap their arms around it? So I think what music can do, especially ambient music, is it there is, and I and if for anybody who makes ambient music who's listening to this, this is not a criticism. This is actually a huge compliment. One of the things that I think works in ambient music is there's a predictability about it. So once it's sort of you know, you put an oar in the water and you kind of, it kind of create, starts creating that environment for you that you can be reasonably sure with about 99% certainty that nothing's going to come and mess with the vibe. So it's not like, yeah. hey, I'm going to do 20 seconds of this and now a huge distorted guitar is going to come in. Right. What, 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 what I, like I am literally, this music is designed to take you on a journey and Many times it's a gentle journey and it's something that's sort of wrapped in this sort of like gossamer, sort of ephemeral like sounds that are, you know, very kind of soft on your ear. And that I think, I think that's really the catalyst behind ambient music being something that people can really use to deal with stress and anxiety because there is a predictability about it to put it on. It goes for you know 35 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, or however long the program is. And youth, and, and I think you can lose yourself in it without any fear of what's gonna happen next. Yeah. I'll tell you, I've been listening um, since uh, I guess since the pandemic started. Uh, yeah. when and just doing all I can for self-care and keeping yeah. myself grounded and and in the beginning that it was just, there was just something going all the time. And it was so incredibly helpful, helped me do what I needed to do, helped me stay nice and calm and relaxed. Certainly I had you know, the other tools that I was working with as well, but there was just something really comforting about that. And that's what I found uh, listening to sacred spaces was this, uh, I was excited about what was, you know, what's next. <laughs> you know what's what's he going to do on the next track? Wow, and, you is, know that and that I love love music. I mean, when when Ananga and I realized who you were influenced by, and then you're you know sharing your your story about um, Brian Eno, we we're just all we could do is laugh because we're like, okay, this is going to be fun. You know, <laughs> we can't wait to listen. Yeah, you know, and I, and I, another huge influence on me is film music. So I have mm -hmm. been writing music for television and film for a long time. 
And so I am, like many of my, my colleague friends, is I love melody. And so a lot of what I get called to do for television is write melodies, write themes, you know, so um, I have a song on Spotify called I've Loved You for a Thousand Lifetimes, which has got about 38 million streams. And everybody's crazy about the melody. Melody, melody, melody. Great. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you. I, and, and, you know, and I would say that I am a hopeful romantic. So, it, <laughs> you know, so like, I love those arcing, beautiful, romantic things. And it has, you know, and it has a little tension to it because I think it makes it interesting and it makes it, you know, like that much more sexy. And sure. it can also be relaxed and it can also create a context for something. It doesn't, ambient music doesn't have to be boring. It can have colors and textures. They yeah. can have a dimensionality to it because a lot of people, and again, I, I, I say this with all respect to my colleagues, make ambient music and they like, and it's essentially like one note for an hour and it's just sort of all sort of yeah. away and it's whatever. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know if that is going to hold my attention yeah. in a way where, because in a way you want to almost fool your brain. So on a, you know, on a certain way, like you want your brain to either be completely engaged, which is the kind of music that I, I like to, or to give your brain permission to turn off, which, right. uh, which other people make. Um, but that sort of middle ground where you're sort of annoyed by how little is happening in the music, that's, I don't, I don't, I don't really like that. What well, I was gonna say, that's not this album. No, no, it's not, it's not <laughs> I mean, so what I what I what I like doing as an artist is I like creating music in, that is going to engage you and maybe preoccupy your mind, and then all of a sudden you you know the album ends and you're like, wow, that was a really nice hour. I had no idea that so that an hour had passed. Mm -hmm. Like, and to me, if that's your experience, then I have been successful. Right. Right. Let's talk a little bit about the the process of creating some of these original sounds that you used. Yeah, you know, I um, if you go to my website, michaelwhalen.com, you will see pictures of my studio here in the Bronx. I have I, I have taken my little ten by twelve bedroom and I've turned it into a studio. And I have a lot of gear. Everyone's like, "Oh, wow, you've got all these keyboards. You look like you know Vangelis or." <laughs> <laughs> one of these guys, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't have nearly anything like the way, the, the amount of gear that Ben Gellis has, but it's fine. Um, but I, I have a lot of sound making tools, and I really, really, really look at creating sounds like a palette for an artist. So for me, it's all about color and texture. So uh, a lot of people will be, you know, they'll sit down at the synthesizer and they'll say, I want to make a brass sound. I want to make a violin sound. I want to make a flute sound or whatever. I rarely do that. I am not somebody who is particularly interested in creating imitative synthesis. What I, what I like to do is to create original sounds and textures. I love combining things. So I may start with a sound that you may recognize. You'll sound, it might be a bell sound. It might be like uh, a sample of like a door, you know, crashing or whatever. And then I will, 
I might sample it, I might process it, I might run it through a bunch, a bunch of filters, I might slow it down, I might speed it up. Through the process of creating the sound, a couple of things happen. Number one is I start thinking about the sort of the textural map of the whole thing. One of the things that I do, this is just my process, is I love having the cover art done almost as I'm making the record. It's a weird, it's a weird quirky thing that I do, but like I will get the cover art done very early in the process. And this was definitely the case. Well, that makes sense to me. Coming from a film score background, I love writing music for a picture. I love the idea of programmatic music. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. And the other thing that I do is I have all the titles, even when I don't have the pieces ready. So I knew from almost day one, there was going to be 10 tracks. I knew what the titles were going to be within a couple of words. There you go. I have a frame for the whole thing visually that's going to sort of inspire me to kind of create what this world is. Then I have the titles. Then I have this palette of sounds. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, now how does this picture feel? What's the third and even fourth dimension of this going to sound like and feel like, and then I'm off to the races. Mm, I love it. I loved uh, taking a look at the album cover for the first time and and feeling like I'd been there and then realizing after speaking with you before our conversation today that I have been there. You have been there. (laughs) It's, uh, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, and the, uh, and I'll do a brief retelling of what we discussed. The cover for Sacred Spaces was painted by a gentleman named Michael Whalen. His name is spelled differently than mine. Mine is W-H-A-L-E-N, and Michael's is W-H-E-L-A-N. And for a long time, like 20 years, even more, people would be doing searches, and they would, people looking for his art would be coming to my website going, you're not Michael Whalen, the artist. Or they, or people, my people would be going to his going, you're not Michael Whalen, the composer. And we were sort of funnily sort of like connected for years. And I reached out to him and I said, I think I have a project we can, we can collaborate on. And I think, I, I think I'm creating something which I don't want to say is worthy of, but certainly um, could be inspired by your art because Michael is one of the top sci-fi artists in the world. He has done He's done covers and things for hundreds of different books and movies. And he did the cover for Bad Out of Hell for Meatloaf. And he did all, he's done, he's done so many different things. Uh, his music, uh, his music, his, his art is so great that whenever I look at it, I'm inspired with music. I'm like, wow, yeah. so cool. wow, this is going to be so cool. I anticipate that he and I are going to collaborate again. I suspect a, you will. <laughs> he is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy. He was so generous in this project and I just, I love his art. Yeah. What a great story. So I know that, I know that you practice yoga and mindfulness and, and obviously you create this, you know, beautiful scores and all of the work that you've been doing for many, many moons. If somebody listening today has never practiced mindfulness, the art of mindfulness, but wants to begin, what do you recommend? That is an awesome question. I think people wrestle with what mindfulness is. Let me take 20 seconds and demystify it. What what mindfulness is to me is balance. It's about having balance in your life, 
and it's about being present to your life. So most people, many people, I don't want to make a huge generalization, but many people spend a lot of time not being present. They don't want to think about things. They don't want to think about their problems. They don't want to like, you know, if they have a pain in their body, they're not going to pick up the phone and call their doctor. They're going to be like, well, it's fine. It's fine. I'll just live with it. It'll be fine. What mindfulness is, is being aware of yourself, your body, your mind, your spirit, and what are you going to do in terms of your own self-care for all three of those things? I think a really good place to start with mindfulness is to make a little deal with yourself that you're going to be consistent about one thing, maybe a week, you maybe can take on one thing every two weeks or whatever, but a really good place to do is to sit down, close your eyes, and just think about your breathing for five minutes. That's it. That's all you're going to do. You're not going to breathe heavy. You're not going to breathe more. You're not going to breathe less. You're just going to think about your breath in and out of your body. And you don't have to do a meditation. You don't have to do a guided meditation. Just listen to yourself. Listen to your body. Be present to your heartbeat. Be present to your breath. Be you will learn gobs about yourself in five minutes, about how you feel, about what you think, about how your, where your, your mind goes when it's time to rest. Um, and it took me years to deal with my restless mind when it was time to meditate or to relax. It took me years to deal, to deal with it. So, and, you know, I went to friends who, you know, had been meditating for decades and they said, be compassionate with yourself. Just, yes. Just slow yeah. down, slow down. It's okay. Because we live in a world right now where we are constantly being fired out of the can, constantly. And the yeah. judgment, the judgment oh. and the self-judgment and to just, you know, you can't have gratitude and judgment at the same time. No, you can't. You just no, can't. You cannot. So to come back to, to what you mentioned earlier in the, in the program about living in gratitude and then, and then to come back to this mindfulness piece of just start by noticing your breath. That's it. Just noticing notice the inhale and the exhale and the coolness and the heat and just noticing it. And, and then you can almost, you can't even really help yourself but feel grateful because how often do we even think about our breath? That's right. And if you are willing to take that first step, it can literally open a universe for you. I remember doing a breathing exercise with my mother years ago. You know, she's like a real New Yorker and she's very sort of high strung and whatever. And she was like, I don't like all the things that I'm thinking about while I'm breathing. I'm like, the only thing you should be thinking about is your breath. She's like, yeah, but I'm thinking like, should I be breathing better? Should my lungs be whatever? I'm like, no, you're not thinking about your breath. You're thinking about what your breath means. Just think about your breath. That's it. Yeah. You don't make any judgments. And, you know, because I, I think you're absolutely right. I think people spend so much time either making a judgment or defending other people's judgments, whether they're real or not, or whether they're apparent or not, yeah. that, um, we are so not present for our own experience moving through the world. Right. Right. 
And I, I've got to imagine that over the, the, the history of your career and all of this beautiful music that you've made, that, that you are aware that you've helped at least one person, if not thousands. I have uh, helped one person. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, with anxiety or stress. This is a super personal story, but I think the context is right. That I have uh, a friend who has a kid with uh, very severe physical challenges. And uh, she was having a very hard time falling asleep. And I was over at their house. This must have been five or six years ago. And I said, you should try putting on some music because she was, their daughter just, such a restless mind and just thinking all the time and just just couldn't just relax i remember going up to her room and she had like a little boom box thing that had spotify on it so i put on spotify and i put on my album um, my secret heart which is this record i did from 2004 which has got the song i loved you for a thousand lifetimes mm. and i sat there in on the floor and i held her hand while she listened to it and she fell asleep and my friend was like, I, I can't believe it. And oh, so, that's so, I, so beautiful. But uh, here comes the best part. I talked to my friend. I do I do lunch over Zoom now with my friends. So mm -hmm. uh, I have a very busy, I, and it was funny, a couple of weeks ago, I did two lunches on the same day. I was like, I'm going to have a virtual lunch with you, but I'm not going to eat. So, uh, <laughs> but I talked to my friend who I've known for you know a long time. And I said, so how's your daughter doing? And she said, she listens to your album every single day. When your music occupies that level of intimacy in someone's life, that's huge. Yeah, it is. That, that's, that is just a huge um, compliment. And I, I try not to kind of deal with kind of the ramifications of it. Like, I don't try to make it mean, you know, more than it is. But it that's huge. And, uh, you know, a well, lot of people yeah the contribution itself you know to just be an awareness that this love of your life has created a contribution that has brought somebody else some peace yeah yeah and it's like and i think if that's all i've i've done in my life then i'm good like <laughs> no i i will put my i will put my two children as the best thing i've ever created and then whatever I've done in terms of being of service to people with my music, that's, uh, I think that's pretty good. I think, I think that's a, I think that's a great legacy to have because, um, we are all struggling. You know, we, we all struggle with anxiety. We all struggle with depression. We all struggle, struggle with dark thoughts. And during the pandemic, all of this not knowing, on all this not knowing and not knowing and not knowing. I had COVID, I had a mild case in April, and uh, you know, and it was the worst I'd ever felt in my life. And my doctor said, well, it's a mild case. And I'm like, you should be in my body. But, um, yeah, but, right. but, the, but since that's happened, now I have all of these long-term sort of weird symptoms that keep popping up in my, and, and, um, and so I'm trying to both not be terrified of what's happening because I have this thing in my body and to be compassionate with myself again. Yes. So, so when, so when I am a little discombobulated and a little turn around, I stop and I think of three things I'm grateful for that always hits the reset button for me. It does. It does.
it always hits the reset button for me. It's like no matter how I feel or what's happening or what the circumstance is, what are three things that I'm grateful for? Right and we now. have so much. We have so much to be grateful for every Absolutely. single day. Yes. And I, I just love that. And man, I could talk to you for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we, have well, a lot, we have a lot in common. So, yeah, uh, the, the endless podcast. No, no, yeah, it'll, right. be, it'll, be, it'll be great. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you for making yourself available today and for sharing a little bit more about this epic recording, thank you. Sacred Spaces. I really, really enjoy it. And, and to all of our listeners, you can get Sacred Spaces wherever music is streaming, and it's also available on Amazon and you can get it, uh, you can get a CD, you can get vinyl. You can get uh, vinyl. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You can get a vinyl album. <laughs> right. So, and, and what's cool about it, just a little, a little mini plug is there is more Michael Whalen art on the vinyl. So he, there's yeah. actually, so there's the front cover and the back cover, which is the same as, as the CD, but on the vinyl one, he, there's another painting on the inside with the, uh, the uh, sleeve for the, uh, for the desk. It's really, really beautiful. Oh yeah. Well, and this, I mean, just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful journey. I invite all of you to check it out. And Michael, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining me on Anxiety Slayer. I'm grateful for your music and your talent, and I will be in touch to find out more about your tattoo artist. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me on today. I appreciate it. That was Michael Whalen, two-time Emmy Award winner, Grammy-nominated composer, music supervisor, and so much more. He's amazing. You can get Sacred Spaces wherever music is streaming, and it's also available at Amazon, and you can get it. You can get a CD or you can get a vinyl pressing, which is pretty cool as well. Thanks for listening. If you found this podcast helpful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a friend of Anxiety Slayer, you'll get access to over 40 guided meditations and extra resources for calming anxiety. Visit patreon.com forward slash anxiety slayer.